Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Welcome to Wheels Off a show about the messy reality of the creative life. I'm Rhett Miller. That's when it got wheels off. We started up and we ain't gonna stop. Oh, I said I like you, like it or not. That's when it got wheels off. Rob Thomas is a singer, a songwriter, a record producer, and a multi-instrumentalist. You probably know him best as the lead singer of the rock band Matchbox 20. He's collaborated with Mick Jagger, Willie Nelson, and Santana, and released three solo records, most recently The Great Unknown in 2015. He creates what Rolling Stone calls sparkly pop music that actually strikes a chord with people at a time when the world is very short on bona fide pop stars. That ability to strike a chord with people is what makes Rob so important and why I'm so glad to have him here with me today. Welcome, Rob Thomas. Hello, Rob. Hey, how you doing, Rhett? Really good. Thanks for making the trip. In. We're in New York City right now. In New York City. And you and I both live a little north. Yeah, it's sadly not close enough. It's like you, you're in the Westchester area and I'm in the Hudson Valley proper. Right. Like you're, we're about an hour, I'm about an hour from the city and you're about an hour from me. Yeah. Just to give a little geography lesson here <laughs> on, on where we are. What's your exact address? address? <laughs> Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm sad that I don't get to see you more, but I'm really happy that you're here today. Yeah, thanks for asking me to be here. And uh, I just started it, and before we maybe get into, you know, I've, obviously I've got questions for you, but before we start, um, we were talking about my last guest I, I had, uh, Fred Armisen, and we were telling Fred stories. Right. And you started to tell me one that I wanted to save. Right, well, this wasn't, okay, this is, so Fred, this is Fred adjacent. Okay. So we, I had, we, we went to a party at Paul, Paul from Matchbox's house. Uh-huh. It was like a barbecue all day. I was out in LA. And... Hansen came over. Now this is important, and I, and I, and I, those guys are awesome. I don't know if you met them, but the they're just Hansen. yeah, they're yeah. just they're just good guys now because they're not we they like they're forever kids to us, right? Yeah. But now they're they're grown men with like five <laughs> kids, you know. Yeah. And uh, so we, I, I wound up drinking way too much and not really eating a lot. It was one of those long days, and I was supposed to go straight from there to the Roosevelt to see Prince when he was doing his residency at the Roosevelt. So I get there and I'm a little wasted, and. I sit in the front, and I'm sitting right next to Fred Armisen, and I got Wendy Melvin on my other side. Wow. And I'm like, and, and it's Prince, and it's a room like this big. It's, it's, it's going to be a life-altering moment, right? <laughs> I get so sick that I just do this Irish goodbye, and I just get up, and I walk out the room, and I just make it to my hotel, and I start puking all night, and it's just one of those nights. But all I keep thinking is that I missed seeing Prince to drink with Hanson, and I thought there must be something wrong in that <laughs> dynamic. You know, I mean, nothing against Hanson, but none of us are Prince. So, yeah. yeah, and to see Prince next to Fred Armisen, next to Fred Armisen, so, who is who does such a great Prince, and and he's been on on record saying that the reason he started doing his Prince impersonation was to meet Prince, right? And it worked, and he got to, and yeah. you didn't, and well, I didn't, yeah, and I did not eventually. get to. No, I never did. Oh. I never did. I was always like right next. To, ah, hi. 
you know. You did meet Hanson, though. I did. I did. <laughs> so I got that story. And those guys are also famously really sweet, lovable guys. Just like you. No, I don't know about no. that. But um, thank you so much for being on this. And, and yeah, you're, you've already got the idea. Like, already what you've said is super useful. Like, watch your consumption, kids, because you may wind up missing out on your chance <laughs> yeah, to see Prince. You might, yeah, you just might miss that. And then you never know when you're not going to have a chance. Aww. Yeah. So tell me what, what it is you're working on right now and why it's inspiring you. Um, well, I just finished a new solo record that uh, I was kind of working on through last summer um, that I'm going to put out next year. I think it's a weird time now, too, when you start talking about, like, what does that mean putting out a record anymore? I yeah. mean, like, I, we, like, there's still... I still have a huge radio base, so like there's still a single that's going to happen in February, and then the record rolls out in August. But then they start or in, a, in a April. But then they start talking about well, but maybe in January we'll just have the whole record on Spotify, you know? Yeah. And and it's it's almost weird because it's almost like all these people are consuming music in their own way. And if you're a person that's an early adapter and you and you're a streamer and you go on Spotify and that's how you're consuming music, but if you're a person that that doesn't live in that world, then you don't know that's happening over there, and you won't hear that song until it comes on the radio. So everybody's just kind of consuming in their own little universe now. So I'm confused. The the record will be available on Spotify, but it won't be released until April. Yeah, isn't that weird? That doesn't even make sense to it me. It doesn't at all. <laughs> but 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 and, and it's also like you're getting conflicting reports because you have like your management who's going, no, we're just going to throw everything out there. It's great. Let's just get. And then you've got. Your label who's going, don't let anybody hear anything. Don't yeah. make sure it doesn't get out there. we got to keep it secret. But then like two years ago when you're making a record, nobody cared about keeping it secret because no. it was just all kind of out there. Yeah. But I think now labels are making more money off of streaming services. So now that they're making the money, they want to make sure they keep it you know, Isn't that nice the for them? Yeah. They keep explaining it to me about it's a grat track. Okay, we're gonna, this is a grat track, short for gratis. Mm -hmm. So uh, we're mm -hmm. going to give this track away for free. I'm like, oh, really? I thought we were kind of giving it all away for free at this right. point. But so, but they're doing a grat album, like your album. I just think, gonna... yeah. I mean, well, that's it's one of the, the ideas that keeps getting thrown around, and I, and I, I think back and I think on that time, and I, I think about you and I and how lucky we are that, you know, if you're coming in now, you get one of those 360 deals, which is a whole nother animal. Mm -hmm. And so, at least like you, you can give them your grat track because you can go out and make your money on touring, and and you can make your money on merchandising and, and all that stuff, and they don't have a piece of that. Yeah. Which I think is is kind of everything that's happening now is the backlash to that. Yeah. Like if you're an art, if you're a label and you go out and you throw millions of dollars at you know 17 different artists and only one of them works and you're just in the hole for all that money yeah you know and now they're not making any money so so really what well, what we're talking about here is sort of the the machinations of the current versus maybe now the defunct record industry and like you're in that sort of weird period when you've finished your record mm -hmm. you're waiting for it to come out you're sort it's of Schrodinger's record right now yeah it's, you know? it's yeah. No, yeah nobody knows if yeah. does it make a noise yeah uh, on spotify it will in january <laughs> But so do you find that to be a really complicated time fraught with fear? Like I've always had a hard time during that four-month window. Well, I mean, yeah, I think that, you know, if you're a writer, you're probably fueled by self-doubt, or at least that's where it, you know, it first kind of came from. And, and, and everybody thinks it's the opposite, you know, that you have this. And, and there has to be, I think, some sort of narcissism that's in there because whatever comes out of that self-doubt, you have this feeling like people need to hear this, yeah. you know? And, and if, like, that's got to be some sort of narcissism that's in there. And you got to go in front of people and go like, people are going to love this, you know? But then I put out a record, a solo record a couple years ago that I wasn't completely happy with. Oh, interesting. I, I tried some different things. I worked with some producers. And I wanted to just kind of shake things up, and it just it wasn't me. It was just like a bad-fitting suit at the end of the day, and it had maybe four or five of really what I thought were really good songs on it, but then the rest of it just wasn't me. So it made me more scared going into this because I, it was the first time I questioned myself. 
Do you know, like, yeah. am, I, am I good at this? Like, I don't know if I'm any good at this. And right up until then, I think I was just, I had this kind of blissful ignorance that like, of course I'm good at this. This is what I do. You know, no, enough people have told me I'm good at this. It must be, you know, it must be true. And, uh, and so now I think this is the first time that I've really uh, felt very humble and had a lot of self-doubt for real about, about the outcome, not just, you know, what goes into the songwriting. Well, that's, that's a big thing that I, that I want this these conversations I'm having to be about is that sort of that um, the self-doubt that maybe drives us, like you're yeah. saying, you know, and it is, it's an oxymoron. People think that, oh, they must be so super confident. But I mean, um, I think of it as like sort of the imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. you know, right? Do you, do you ever get the feeling that like you're, people are going to find out that you're not who they think you are? I mean, is does what is your self-doubt born of, do you think? Well, I mean, I, I, I think when I was young, like I came from a, a house where, you know, my, my mom was an alcoholic and that kind of puts you in a, in a weird mindset where you don't feel like you deserve. Yeah. And then you go out and try and find it, which I think is somehow you, where you find music, right? Because you find something that, that you connect with and you find something that loves you back. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where that starts to go. But then I think that if you're lucky and you have any kind of success and any kind of sense, then you start to wonder if you really deserve that success because you have so many friends that are, that aren't doing as well as you and they're amazingly talented. Right. And then you have so many people that are doing amazing that you just don't think are that great. And you're like, so you're not sure what that line means is, you know, success in, in and of itself, you know, what that means. And then I think you, you just have a lot of people saying, you know, wow, you know, I love you, you have, you have this success and they love this record and they love this song. And then you're just like, okay, but what if I let them down? Like, what if this, it just isn't up to that. Like, what if, what if I hit that wall and then I'm just not going to be good anymore? You know, that's a weird, or now what if you're not, it's not even about being good anymore. It's, you have to be good with the craft, but you also have to fit within the times that you're in and the times are moving without you. You know I mean? Great artists have stayed great at what they do, but then the times just didn't want that anymore. I wonder if the ones that have are the ones that have uh, unmoored themselves from the time. Probably. Know, like the I mean, you know, the, there, and, and what well, there are, the, yeah, the people that have, have – Tom Petty was a great example of yeah. someone who just did exactly what Tom Petty did and didn't care. And he fell in and out of favor with popularity, but he never lost his fan base and he only grew as a legend by doing that, I think. You know, uh, Springsteen has always been that guy too. Yeah. Well, it's so interesting to hear this because when you, when you started and when – like when that first when that first record came out, and I remember hearing your stories about um, even when you wrote Push and how that was sort of written as like a you were waiting for an A and R guy who no showed on you, yeah, right? Yeah, and and just the kind of the, that anger that there was like a hunger and an anger, and those things are obvious. And I think to anybody that is looking at your story from the outside, they're obvious. But then, as a pretty young man, you're wildly successful, and you've been able to keep it going for so long. Like you've persevered and persisted and been consistently good for so long. Like, what do you think? Is that I think we'll leave it on that. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Is that hunger? Is it just, is it still always that like you trying to prove yourself forever or do you just love to make art? I mean, I guess it goes back to what started you out on this course. Nothing, nothing ever feels as good as when you finish a new song. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's, it's this feeling of like, you are the God of creation. You just did something. You can't wait for people to hear it. You're alone. It's probably three in the morning. You're down in like in your, in my, in like your writer's studio, wherever you write. And then you just feel like this, this rush. And then the next day you hear another song and you feel like a hack and you feel like everything that you do is, is just never <laughs> going to be as good as, you know? And, but that feeling of writing, I think always keeps you going. And, and maybe having a, that success on that first record 
we had a lot to live up to, mm-hmm. you know, and we had to prove that we were going to be worthy of, of whatever success we had had. And then there was a lot to live down at the same time because it's that thing of like you walk into a room and people think, like, oh, you must think you're hot shit. And you're like, oh, no, I fucking – I really th- think I'm a piece of shit. Like I really <laughs> – you have no idea. Like I don't think I belong here, you know. And then you're like – you're in rooms with bigger and bigger artists and, and these talented people that you've admired and you're just like, I don't, I don't belong here. And uh-huh. then that kind of drives you into, you know – it's not about the success. It's about wanting to do something that those people would respect and like. Sure. You know, like when I was writing like a, with Willie Nelson, you know, it wasn't about, I want Willie Nelson to, to he's Willie Nelson. He thinks my, yeah. you know, I'm, whatever level I'm at, it's cute to him. You know what I mean? <laughs> but like, you want to do something where like you walk in a room and he's like, I like that son. And then you're just like, oh, little goosebumps everywhere. Got it. You and I both toured together with Train years ago. Yeah. And I remember um, backstage at a thing uh, in Austin where we were doing a Johnny Cash tribute. And uh, Buddy Miller was there. And Pat from Train was grilling Buddy Miller, who at the time was playing with Robert Plant. And there Pat is. And Pat was right in, in the second wave of having like his sort of second round of hits. Yeah, it was, it was when it went really big because that was like the uh, uh, Drops of Jupiter time, right? Somewhere well, no, there. Drops is when we were out with him. And then the second round was that. It's yeah. the, the, you know, a few, like five or six years ago. Okay. And so Pat was... Oh, this was like the Hey Soul Sister. Exactly. Right. So yeah. Pat's grilling Buddy Miller about Robert Plant, who Buddy's playing with. And Pat's saying, do you think Robert Plant has any train on his iPod? <laughs> and, and, <laughs> I can see him doing it. And too. Buddy's like, I don't know. And Pat's <laughs> like, it would just mean so much to me. And I'm like, it's so But you funny. never know when Pat's being serious either. Yeah, that's true Because he's too. the most like dry. Stone-faced dry. Yeah. Yeah. But it's funny how much it means to us kind of the... Well, the, the feedback from other people, and then this sort of tangential to what you were saying earlier about that, the success guilt. Like, you yep. you have so much success, and uh, Roseanne Cash was saying when I talked to her that um, she, for one of her records, The River and the Thread, she went through the South, and she did just a lot of research and talked to, like, a lot of old blues musicians, a lot of African-American mm-hmm. musicians that had never made a, a penny, and she felt like, well, here I am, you know, like, making a good living, and there's just a lot of, and, and it goes for, like, you know, even me, you know, and I, I go back to Dallas and there's people that, that they think I'm living like swimming in money. Right. And, and in a way I've, I've been so lucky. So, I mean, I guess, how do you, how do you live with that? I mean, what do you, do? <laughs> how do you I, live with that? Rob? I, I drink a lot. Um, I think that's where I got a good healthy drinking problem from. Uh, I think, you know, I think there, there's something to be said about that. And, and there's, cause there's, there's a couple different prongs on success, right? Like there's the actual material thing that it can bring you, right? And that alone is, you know, oh, I don't know, you know, yeah. you have a nice house, oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> and then there, but then it's still, and then it always just comes down to the work and it comes down to like that, that feeling of like when you see someone that you never thought in a million years would be a fan of yours, you know, and they're yeah. like, oh my God, I love you. And you're like, really? <laughs> you know? Robert like, Plant's I, got you on his iPod. Yeah, yeah, right? In the iPod. I like, I, I really feel like that all the time. Like, really? <laughs> Oh, wow. Right on. Because I'm, like, I'm at this level of fame, I think, where it's like two people could walk into a room and one would be like, oh, my God, I can't believe that's Rob Thomas. He's my favorite. And the other one goes, who? Yeah. You know? And that's like I'm pretty much down the line there. That's probably a pretty good level. Yeah. I, it's, it's really good. I can still go to the grocery store. Like I go, you know, I go yeah. to the grocery store. I don't get like Justin Timberlake. <laughs> but, it, but like for some reason, my songs are huge in grocery stores. Yeah. And I'm like I'm cruising through and I just get like my neighbors going by me going, eh? 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 <laughs> But then yeah. the funny thing is they'll do it with like any like it'll be the Goo Goo Dolls and they're like ah eh? yeah huh? yeah close yeah, I'll take it close enough I've been mistaken for everybody like I so I have people that come up and they and they go like they go oh are you who I think you are 
And the appropriate answer is, oh, I'm, I'm, who do you think I am? Yeah. Right? And one day I was in Atlanta. I was feeling really, really, I guess, high on myself. Uh-huh. And they're like, so, you know, are you who I think you are? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And then, and, and I got to look too, like, yeah, this is happening. Yeah. That's right. And she's like, oh my God, I love the Goo Goo Dolls. Oh. And I'm like, oh, th- well, thanks. And so, <laughs> so I, like, she, and I signed her pizza box and I signed it, Johnny Goo. <laughs> <laughs> That makes me so happy. Okay, so um, finally, because I want this to be a useful conversation, uh, especially I, like I always think of what would I want to hear if I was um, a young kid listening right. to And this. my son, who is 20 years old, goes to Berkeley College of Music, yeah. got his first band. He's uh, What are they called? Shot a, shot a, they're called A Handmade House. Uh, he just shot a video. He's got nice. his songs on Spotify. He's tried to get money from me. So I'm going to call him out because he tried to get money from me to, to up his followers no. on Spotify. He wanted you to buy like bot buy, followers. Yeah, bot followers. And I'm just like, I can't, I can't get down with that, son. I was like, <laughs> it's, I just, I just, there's something that just seems inherently wrong. Like he, I want you to go out and I want you to, to play a bunch of gigs that aren't in front of your friends. And I, you know, I don't want you to feel bad about yourself every now and then and then yeah. see where that gets you. You got to earn your online followers you, the old-fashioned way <laughs> by posting half-naked photographs of yourself. That's right. Come on. Well, well, you um, still, well, you still can't. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my God. I shouldn't call him out. There's a doorman at the hotel where I stay. And yesterday he stopped me and he said, I just made a video. I don't know how to get my record out. And he said, and I'm starting to get old. And I said, how old are you? He goes, I'm 28. <laughs> It was all I could do not to punch him, first of all. Right. But so, okay, so this question to you is actually one that you're probably more prepared to answer than most people. If there was a 21 or we'll say 20-year-old version of yourself in today's world, what advice would you give him? Man, well, okay. First is don't start smoking. The second <laughs> is I, I really feel that right now if I started today – there's, there's an 18-year-old out there right now that's, that's got like 30,000 followers on Facebook and, and on Instagram and is pushing his own stuff that is better prepared, I think, for whatever the landscape, the upcoming landscape of music is than I am with 20-some-odd years in the business, yeah. right? Because in some ways, you can just forget a huge part of that. Like if you think about like when we all first started and you, your idea of you would have a folder – and in that folder, you'd have some bumper stickers, a cassette tape, <laughs> and flyers from different gigs that you had done to show that you, that you play gigs, right? Yeah. And you'd send those to labels, and guys would actually come from New York or L.A., and they'd fly out to come to Texas, or they'd come out to, to Florida, and they'd come see your band play. And they'd be like, well, you, you know, they keep an eye on you, and they keep yeah. coming back, and they keep coming back. Now, if I started today, I don't know, I don't know how driven I'd be, you know, like – Part of my being driven was like I left home when I was like 16 years old and I hitchhiked around the country and I was sleeping on park benches and there was a need to to figure something out. And then I found music and I was so in love with it that I started letting every other viable option for a future go by. Like, you know, here goes my chance to get in on the college train. Nope. Here's my chance to get in at the beginning of a career. Nope. And then it became like if it, if it was either going to happen or it wasn't going to happen. And there's, a I think, a fine line between a tenacious 40-year-old guy who made it work and, and it, you look back and it seems obvious. Like, well, of course that was where it's going to go because you're talented and you're driven, you know? And, and there's a fine line between that and I'm 40 years old and I'm still sleeping on my friend's couch and I'm still trying to get my band to work because I didn't have any other option. So like somebody asked, well, what would you do if you weren't doing this? It's honestly, I would just be doing this to less people because I don't, I'm not, I don't have another skill set in me, yeah. you know? No safety nets. Yeah, there, I, I didn't give myself any safety net. And I do think that there's got to be something to be said about that. 
You have to be all in to the thing that you want to do, no matter what that is. You know, one day if you decide I want to be an artist in whatever medium that that means, then you need to start living like an artist and start just doing that and take the lumps. But but today it's it's a whole different world. I don't know what it means <clears throat> to be internet famous. Like I go, I'm talking a lot. Sorry. No, that's the point. I um. I go online sometimes and I do a song of the day and then sometimes I'll go and I'll check out whose birthday it is to see if like any of my favorite, you know, if it's Robert Plant's birthday and I want to do, oh, I'll do a Zeppelin song of the day. And you look, so it's like, it's famous people, birthday.com or something, celebrity birthday. And you go on the majority of them now are like YouTube star, Vimeo star. And I like, I have no idea. And you check them out and they're making millions of dollars on YouTube videos. I don't know if that's where they wanted to go. I'm like, I don't know if that's a place now that people set their sights on or if it's a place that people wind up at when they're trying to get somewhere else, but it's a real thing. And I don't know that I would know how to navigate that world. I don't know if I could, right? Well, you would have come up in a world that prepared you for that rather right. than a world that's, that well, prepared you. Well, that's the thing you. is, yeah, exactly. There was a different time that I was coming up in, so I didn't have those skill sets. Yeah. And, may, and maybe I would, or maybe I wouldn't though because, or maybe I would use it, but just use it to further music. Like I kind of think that no matter what I would, whatever time I came up with, this is what I would want to be doing. And I would try and figure out a way to do this. But who's, who's to say, maybe I would, instead I'd, I'd upload a video of me, open up Christmas boxes and it would get a million views. And I'd be like, I am the world's greatest unboxer, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and find a way to live with that. Well, I'm really glad that you chose music. I think that you have like a, a, a weirdly magical touch with making songs that really speak to people. And so I'm glad you did music and you're not an unboxer. And thank I, you so much for being that. with me on this podcast today, Rob. I just said podcast. I was going to try never to say podcast. Lyle Lovett has a, a, a rule when he's introducing a song on stage. He never says the word song. You know, I think that that's cool, too, because the worst right is when somebody goes, this song is about... Right. Oh, my that's especially when they and, and they try and do like the, it's going to be their storyteller's vibe. Yeah, and, but their whole storytelling vibe is just like, well, this song is a song about my mom. Yeah. Oh, good. That's a cool story, bro. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait to rock it. Anyway, this is a podcast about you, Rob Thomas. Thank you so this much. This is not a podcast. <laughs> it's a conversation. Yeah, this is a conversation cast. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Thanks, man. Good to see you again. All right. Thank you so much for listening to Wheels Off. Please be sure to rate and review the show on iTunes. That helps us appear higher in the search results and lets other folks know that it's a cool podcast to listen to. Also, as the kids say, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere else that you listen to shows like this so that you never miss an episode. This has been Wheels Off, and I'm Rhett Miller, encouraging you to create every day. Thanks, y'all. Hi, this is Henry Kay, host of the number one music history podcast, Rootsland. Come with me on a journey to Kingston, Jamaica, where we explore the world of reggae music and the untold stories of some of the genre's greatest legends. From the ghettos and tenement yards where the music was born, to the island's iconic recording studios. We are so excited to team up with Osiris Media, the leading storyteller in music. Because as you'll hear, sometimes the story is the best song.